We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 258 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and today we are doing a special collaboration with another Blue Wire Podcast, London is Blue, and Nick Verlaney from that show and said podcast will be helping me preview the Barca Femini against the Chelsea women in the Women's Champions League final. So for Nick, I mean, you have the Men's Champions League final. You're busy and you're looking forward to that. But for us in Barcelona world, it looks like the league is out of, out of hand and it looks like the Champions League obviously been eliminated for a while now. But you've got the men to worry about, but you also have the women to worry about because the Chelsea women are pretty good too. They are. They're, they're Chelsea's best team. Uh, I, I don't think that would uh, be overstating much. They're, they've been incredible all year. Uh, they lost one time in the league and, uh, <laughs> and, and not much else anywhere else. So they are, uh, they're absolutely on a tear. They're fun to watch. So much to enjoy. And, you know, we, I think we have the best manager in the, in the world uh, in Emma Hayes. So uh, just an absolute character. We, we actually had the pleasure of meeting her when we were over on a, a podcast trip in 2017 and uh, had a couple of drinks. And then she took us around the, uh, the training facility the next day. And what's crazy about Emma is, you know, she, she's a high profile coach. She's won 10 trophies in her time, right? But she was taking us around. She offered to make us coffee and tea and stuff as we were going. I mean, she's super humble. Uh, couldn't be a, a nicer person and is clearly a character uh, when she gets on a, a microphone. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped about this, man. It's going to be a fun. It's going to be a fun game. Yeah, and I, I want to first set the scene as to why it's Chelsea against Barcelona because one of these teams is going to win their first Champions League in their history and. That's because Lyon did not make it. This time around, the former Ballon d'Or, the first female Ballon d'Or winner in Ada Hedderberg, the all-time leading goal scorer in Champions League history, too. At the age of 25, she tore her ACL in December, and that's probably why it's Chelsea versus Barcelona in the Champions League final. PSG was also one of those who could have made the final, but they lost to Barcelona. And of course, Bayern Munich was another one of those that you could have seen there, but that's how Chelsea got there. So PSG, Lyon, Wolfsburg were even kicked out before that. And I think it was Chelsea women that, that did that job. So on behalf of Kool-Aid, we want to say thank you for taking care of Wolfsburg. <laughs> you don't have to see them in the final either. They were a team that have taken out Barcelona in the semifinal before. So yeah, the dust has settled. And it's now, as you mentioned, I, I think it's about that time where as much as we would love to talk about formations and tactics and all those things, it starts with the two people in charge because I think there's comparisons with Emma Hayes and Luis Cortez. But uh, as we were alluding to, Emma Hayes is a bit more experienced 
at the first team level. She was, she's kind of had her fingerprints on all parts of that Chelsea project since she was hired back in, what was it, 2012? And since that time, I mean, she's bringing in players that, uh, unlike Luis Cortez, that kind of took over this product that was ready to just be pushed to the final limit. Emma Hayes built it from the ground up, the foundation. And especially uh, when we talk about Emma Hayes, I want to speak about her relationship with Fran Kirby, the injury, the, the scare and all that different stuff related to Emma Hayes and Fran Kirby, because I think those two in player and manager are really what make Chelsea tick. And I, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm, I'm misstepping by saying that. No, of course not. I mean, their, their relationship is, is paramount to the success of the team. And, you know, Emma has been through her own trauma too. Um, she, you know, uh, unfortunately lost one of uh, her, her twins during childbirth and uh and so she uh, carried that burden with her throughout the 2018-19 season I believe and so you know I think she has a lot of empathy as a leader um which is an incredible trait to have and uh so you know to to look at Frank Kirby who has gone through a, a he- you know a lot of heavy ups and downs of, throughout her career uh, but especially with with myocarditis, um, which is a heart condition in, in 2019, 2020, um, it's it, it was scary for her. I mean, you know, she's done plenty of interviews recently. You don't have to listen to me yammer on about it, uh, about how scary it was, how she couldn't get out of bed, how she couldn't walk up a flight of stairs. This is a athlete in the prime of her career uh, who who was not able to do simple tasks because her heart wasn't working appropriately. And so... I, you know, I think for her to come back at all is a miracle for her to come back and play the best football of her career and to have a empathetic leader in Emma Hayes understand what she needs to get over the hump. Uh, that's a, that's a winning combination right there. And, and it's, it's not hard to, to fall in love with this team when you have storylines and, and characters like that as a part of it. Yeah, I don't, uh, it's a funny thing where the more and more research I was doing on Emma Hayes, the more it makes sense that if it wasn't Barcelona, you'd want to root for Emma Hayes. She's also, in terms of women's football, the one who fought to get her players paid as professionals, successful teams. But as you mentioned, in the last few seasons when Chelsea weren't making the Champions League final, that's when those hardships occur. And that's where the team winds up fortifying itself. So, uh, yeah, I want to, before we get to, to Barcelona and Luis Cortez, we can do that. And on the field, it's uh, Sam Kerr, who topped the league scoring charts with 21 goals. Certainly part of that tandem with Fran Kirby and, and Harder, as we mentioned already. But I, I think astonishingly, not to give away for if Luis Cortez is listening to this, <laughs> Nick, but if you were to say, I mean, how has anyone, they've lost one time in the league. How is anyone going to have a hope to shut down Fran Kirby and Sam Kerr, who've scored 52 of those 120 goals this season for the Chelsea women? Yeah, uh, <laughs> they're... Uh... Uh, they're on a, a different level right now. I mean, it's it's crazy to watch them. You know, we were we did our, our Chelsea women show earlier this week, and we had uh, uh, our friend Andre on from the Fan- Frank Kirby Fight Club podcast, who's a, a wonderful uh, wonderful analyst, and certainly uh, it's a really good show. So you go listen to those guys as well. Uh, but there is, you know, we're talking to Andre about the telepathy between the two. Like when, when they make runs, they just know where the other is going to be. And there aren't big signals. There aren't the give me the ball motion there. You know, they know where the ball needs to go. And you watch some of the no look passes. You watch some of the easy slot in balls. You, you just, you understand that they, their level of football IQ is, at a very high level and they've been performing that way all season. 
um, from, from the off Frank Kirby assisting Sam Kerr and then reverse Sam Kerr assisting Frank Kirby. So they're a dynamic duo. And, and you brought up Pernilla Harder earlier, most expensive forward in the world and certainly has a pedigree to go with it. She doesn't start up front. <laughs> you know, she plays more as an attacking midfielder in this, yeah. in this group than anything. And so it just tells you all you need to know about the insane run of form that both of these players are on. Yeah, harder to, uh, for those who watch the Barca Femini, it's very comparable with Jenny Hermoso. The number nine, if you will, for Barcelona is the same one that drops deep. She builds play, basically plays an attacking midfielder with Caroline Graham Hansen out on the right wing overlapping. And then on the other side, it's either Mariona who drifts in into the middle or Lecky Martins who winds up coming out over the top. And they like to play in behind, of course. So yeah, there certainly are comparisons. As I keep saying, and the more research you do, whether it was Bayern Munich or PSG or Lyon, there were, there were different tastes with different styles, but these two teams are, are truly almost like looking in the mirror. And I felt myself as I'm going through the rosters, almost comparing say, okay, well, Chelsea women, I, it's, it's tough, right? Is it is it Fran Kirby and Sam Kerr or Lecky Martins and Carolyn Graham Hansen? I, I think of the four, Graham Hansen is the, better, the best creator of the four. As far as pure goal scorers, it's Sam Kerr and, and Fran Kirby. But Lecky Martins, I think, is the most mercurial of all of them whose physical tools could score a goal at any moment, right? And so you, you parallel these teams back and forth, and that's how both of these teams got here. Yeah, I just want to, for those who are, I think the biggest thing for us to speak about in terms of what makes these two two teams different is the competition in league. For Barcelona, it was a plus 123 goal differential, 123 goals scored, uh, sorry, 128 goals scored, just five against. For Chelsea, it was more of a dogfight. It was Man City were always on their heels, but yet they're still crowned back-to-back women's Super League champions after beating Reading 5-0. Yeah, I mean, wh- where do you stand with it? I-, I know you haven't watched much of the Barca Femini, of course, with all the other Chelsea action going on, but are, are you concerned? I mean, not for Barcelona, let me reverse that. I don't know. I'm concerned, but are you, let's say, not concerned? Do you think it is a great positive for Chelsea women to have had such trials and competition in the league while Barcelona have, I mean, for, for better sense, they have coasted in, in their domestic campaign? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, yeah, I'd rather be in Chelsea's position where you're getting pushed all year to be the, the best that you can be, and, and certainly Man City did that. I mean, it, it was really it came down to the wire, and if not for Ann Katrenberger making a save at Man City uh, you know, two Wednesdays ago uh, that, that kept Chelsea at a draw in that game and kept the, the point gap at two, uh, Chelsea could have easily lost the lead. Um, you know, that's how close it was. Uh, and 
you add into the fact that the gauntlet that they had to go through in the Champions League, you know, Atletico Madrid was no picnic. Uh, they certainly showed up, and, and if not for a couple of saves on penalties from Berger, that, that could have gone a whole different direction. Um, and then you look at, you know, Chelsea coming back against Wolfsburg. That was a shock to the system initially, and they came back and, and handled their business. And then you look at the Bayern Munich games. I mean, those, those were both really, really close games. I mean, the, the levels between the two were not that different. And, you know, I think the emotion that you saw in Emma Hayes' face after those three successive rounds, now you're at the final boss, right? You, you've been through a lot, and now you have to get through, uh, you know, a really talented team in a one-off game, and that's hard to do, um, you know, regardless of who you are. I mean, we've seen – the best teams you know, that we've ever seen play haven't won the Champions League <laughs> it's yeah. because it's such a weird tournament, right? I mean, certainly the best Chelsea team I've ever seen has not didn't come close to winning the Champions League. And, you know, one of the worst teams in our, in our recent memory ended up winning the whole damn thing. And you're like, yeah, I guess I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a complicated answer, but you know, I think the Chelsea women have been pushed all year to be the best versions of themselves. And I think they are. Yeah. And I think, again, that's another parallel between the two that for the Chelsea women, yes, they won last year, but this is the best squad they've ever had. And for the Barca Femini, overwhelmingly, this is the best squad they've ever had. And that when you were talking about the Emma Hayes emotion, Again, another parallel where when the Femini beat PSG, just narrowly defeating PSG by one goal, if PSG had scored the away goal, it would have been a different result. But Luis Cortez, he's only 34 years old, but just the emotion that he showed, the way he fell to the pitch when the match ended, uh, it just shows you that even at 34, he understands the stakes. And there is so much pressure. I think that's the difference, too, for Barcelona in the domestic league, they knew that there was no pressure. They were coasting. And I do say coasting. Yes, there were difficult matches, but being undefeated, basically controlling 70 minutes of every match meant that they're going to be tested or let's say the expectation of their season begins and ends with the Champions League. And it's kind of for Barcelona now been a three-year project that uh, Luis Cortez, who played at Yeda back in the second division in, in Spain in 20, 2004 and five. Uh, then he comes over to the Femini as an assistant in 2017, takes a job over for Fran Sanchez in May of 2019, and immediately, within weeks or days of being on the job, takes his team to the Champions League final where they get blown out 4-1 by Lyon. And at that point, that's where that was his first real understanding of what the expectations were at Barcelona. And I think because it's such a similar team, back in 2019, it was Chelsea that lost the semifinal to Lyon. So there is, again, Chelsea was in the background right there too. And Barcelona just happened to be the other side of the bracket. Yeah, and that's the same Lyon side that crushed, that crushed both those teams. And since that time, Barca have just lost Tony, uh, Tony Dugan going to Atleti. But they have, for as far as goal scoring, kind of upgraded by getting Johnny Hamoso back the other way. Plus, I said, Caroline Graham Hansen came over from Wolfsburg since then. And Barcelona are basically, other than those two, starting the final with the same 11 that got beat up back in 2019 to Lyon. So I think for Barca, it's a little bit different in that it is surely this two-year mission. And you could see the expectations and the pressure, that release of returning to the final, at least. And I think there is certainly a sense for Barcelona that the only thing other than a W in the Champions League is just not good enough for this season. Would you call the Chelsea women's season a success, whether or not Emma Hayes becomes the first woman to, to host the Champions League trophy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a success. I mean, they, Chelsea have won two trophies. They won the league and they won their, the League Cup. And they you know, are favorites in the FA Cup uh, still yet to be played. But, you know, I think you'd be 
lying to yourself if if this didn't you know if this one didn't hold weight above the others yeah chelsea have won the league a bunch they've won the conti cup now two years in a row they've uh they've won the fa cup multiple times and and have played at wembley multiple times So, so it's this is the the last hurdle in that in that quadruple a real quadruple chase not like a man city quadruple chase <laughs> this is a real one uh chelsea if they if they get through barcelona and win the champions league there is nothing stopping them from winning the fa cup and and that would just be the most incredible season you could ever hope for so yeah i mean this is, when i say that you guys are the final boss i mean this is i think for the season you guys are the final boss like yeah. i have no doubt we'll win the fa cup um but that that will not mean as much as, as winning this game. Yeah. And I, I think we almost haven't done a, we've almost done a disservice yet that these teams obviously built on their attacking front. Uh, Barcelona playing that four, three, three, it's attack, attack, attack. And uh, again, Emma Hayes doesn't need to didn't need me to tell her that Barcelona's real, the only real weakness this season was basically when they tried to defend, when the other team was able to take possession for prolonged times and attack at Barcelona, get them on the back foot. Because if you give Barcelona the ball, and even without the ball, they want it back. And that's been their success. That's been that press. It's been, when you think of the men's Barcelona version that they're best, that is what the Femini have replicated. And that has been the key to their success. So uh, by not talking about the midfield and the defense and, and the goalkeepers and the back line, I think we've almost done a disservice to where this game is going to be decided. Because I do think that both of those attacking front threes can certainly win their games or win this game for their for their respective teams. But in the case of Ji So Yun, I think kind of flies under the radar being an experienced South Korean midfielder. She was the player's player of the year back in 2015. And I'm really interested. I think the battle and pivotal matchup of this game is Alexia Pateas for Barcelona against um, against Ji So Young, because I think whoever wins that kind of dictates who's, who's the best midfielder in the world this year, honestly. It's it's interesting, right? Because I don't know if G's going to start. We we were we were talking with uh, with Andre about this uh, earlier in the week, and Chelsea have really gone away from the four uh, four three three in favor of more of a four four two with with wide players that can morph into a four two four, right? Yeah, because of just all the attacking talent, and so it really means that you have two in midfield, and G has ended up playing out a little wider when she's played. Uh, but you have to remember that Chelsea have, you know, I think the weakness right now with Chelsea is, the, you know, you have Marin Mielda injured, who's our starting right back. Uh, and that puts pressure on now both fullbacks because you're using second choice options for, for, for both. It's either going to be John Anderson um, on the left and maybe Jess Carter on the right. Uh, but you also have Neem Charles who can play either of those mm-hmm. options. And so what, I, what I'm getting to here is I think your Sophie Engel and Melanie Lupul's midfield is going to be there. Like that's your, your two in midfield. Who you put out on the wings to potentially either help you defensively or help you in attack is the real question. This is the thing I've been trying to figure out all week. Do you put someone like Neem Charles out on the right to help protect Carter a little bit more? and put someone like Aaron Cuthbert, who's a firecracker dynamo uh, kind of jack of all trades out on the left to ensure that you have cover because we know that you guys like to attack or do you go more offensive? Do you throw Frank Kirby out on the wing and uh, some, you know, someone like girl writing or, or G out on the left and, and really try and make some stuff happen with harder and Kerr up front. That's, you know, they're, Harder may miss out starting in this game. Yeah. 
you know, that's the cra- you know, the craziest part of the you know world's most expensive transfer or whatever is just you got to play, you got to match up against the team that you're playing and and not have favorites. So it's a really intriguing question. I, I don't know the answer and I don't know if G starts. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I, I feel like, you know, you've, you've been throwing some Man City shade and I, I can join you on that. Uh, but obviously I, I try to defend Pep, but Pep obviously with his Galaxy brain, uh, he Galaxy brains finals, he Galaxy brains big moments. And I think that is something that Emma Hayes and Luis Cortez could both do in this instance, because I think you're right. I mean, for Barcelona, it's a little bit different in that I expect, I would expect Alexi Buteas, Atani Banmati, and Patri to be the three starters. I think Patri was on the bench. She's gotten better. I think she's one of the best, not even holding midfielders, but more of a, a box-to-box shuttling. But she's underneath uh, Banmati with her work rate. And Puteas, as I said, is definitely starting. She's, I, again, if they win this, I think she puts herself with her also firmly in that Ballon d'Or argument, or at least best player in the world argument, or even at their positions, best players in the world, very, very quick, very quickly. Uh, but yeah, that said, for Barcelona, Vicky Lasada, uh, who's the main captain who comes off the bench, she could be starting as more of a defensive option. Uh, Kiara Harawi could be starting as well as a defensive option. And it's how much does Luis Cortez fear that that front, as you said, what turns into a 4-2-4. So how, how many defensive-minded players can he th- truly throw out there? And again, that brings up the problem that for Barcelona, you can't defend too much. You have to defend by attacking. And so I, I'm, I'm wondering to see if either team will, I mean, we can't have, uh, we can't have 10 V 10 as in, as in a, a one, one, nine or one, one, eight, and then a one, one, eight on the other side and everyone's bombing down the field. So something's going to have to give. And it's interesting that you did say that about uh, so young, because it's, it's tough to know, I guess, which manager will choose to, to add that one wrinkle. And I'm not sure where that one wrinkle will come. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's likely that it's a pretty cagey first 30 yeah. And I think where where Chelsea could really hurt you guys is Chelsea are comfortable having 70% of the ball and they're comfortable having 30% of the ball. Yeah. Uh the counterattack potential with Chelsea is massive. I mean the speed on on the wings and with Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby up top is you know, I, I don't know if it's the best in the world, but it's really fast. They, yeah. <laughs> they break really quick um, and, and they have excellent touch on their passes in transition and they set each other up effectively. So I think the, the potential for Chelsea to go, all right, let's, let's see if they screw up passing in the final third and overextend themselves, themselves being Barcelona. And let's see if we can get some quick breaks going. I think if Chelsea go up one nil early in this game, it's going to be a wrap. Like hmm. Magda Eriksson and Millie Bright are incredible defenders, and Katrenberger has been unreal this year. Um, and I think is is up there uh, for for goalkeeper of the season anywhere. I mean, she's been absolutely unreal. I think if Chelsea go up early and you guys have to extend yourself, there could be more more of that counterattack coming and you know then it then it's off to the races we'll see well yeah i mean the interesting thing is yes if chelsea score first that's that's truly where yeah where i start to wonder the uh the thing that barcelona do have in their back pocket is that they have not been shut out a single time this season 
So the, the positive is that if there's one thing you can guarantee other than death and taxes, it's a Barcelona Femini will score a goal, but will Fran Kerr, I mean, Fran Kirby and Sam Kerr score more goals, I think is certainly one of the big questions. Yeah. I mean, just continuing to work back, you, you brought her up in the return of, of Magdalena Eriksson to Chelsea has been huge. And also uh, Emma Hayes going out in the transfer market and grabbing, as you mentioned, Charles from relegated Liverpool. Yeah, I know it's, it's shocking to say, but uh, I, I mentioned it before in women's football, not everything is equal. So Barca Femini and Barcelona are putting the financial, uh, and I guess this is, I guess, uh, Nick, as we enter the final segment of this is more of a, a rounded conversation about women's football. And I think having these two teams in this final is good for women's football, obviously, because it's not the monopoly that was Lyon for a long time. I think that is better for the future of football. Um, but it kind of shows you that in the in the Premier League in, in, in the UK, certain teams are emphasizing and putting more resources in their women's team. For Spain, I know that Atletico Madrid gave you a tough time, but they did finish seventh in the league. And that is a worrying sign because Barcelona said no competition and there was a lack of parity. And that's not a good thing for the women's game, all things considered. And so I, I just... The, 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 the idea that a Liverpool women's team would be relegated is shocking to people, but it's not. They've never had a real stadium. The Liverpool does a terrible shambolic job of supporting their women's team at all. And so where I end on common ground is that for Chelsea and for Barcelona, I'm happy in the ways that both these teams have financially been propped up by their respective clubs. And I hope that continues on for a lot of different clubs, because, again, Liverpool fans who want to support their women. I mean, you're never going to find a feed of the second division in, 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 in women's football in the U.K., yeah, for sure. I mean, it is a it's a really good point. And it's something that, you know, Roman Abramovich has been an innovator in England with with the way he's invested and set up the Chelsea women. Uh, they yeah. train in the same Cobham complex as the men do. Uh, they bought, you know, Chelsea bought the old AFC Wimbledon Stadium and have begun to retrofit it for women's football in, in, uh, in Kings Meadow. So it is yep. a it is a whole different world than, than a lot of clubs are, are used to. And the amount of investment that Chelsea have put into playing staff and into nutrition and into uh, how women and men need to train differently because their bodies are different. And all of this stuff, all the sports science that goes into it is, is just uh, it's, it's unparalleled and, and it is the reason why, uh, I think the FAWSL and, and the English game is finally starting to catch up with, with, with the rest of the continent um, is simple investment and, uh, and valuing that those teams equally. And like, you know, the FAWSL is getting a whole new TV deal next year. They're going to sky uh, in England, which yeah. is about, about the top of the rung. So uh, really, yeah, I, I think Rome, Roman deserves a ton of credit. You know, organizations like Man City deserve a ton of credit. Uh, let's hope there are a handful more that are going to do some serious investment uh, because, you know, Arsenal have been good for a while, but kind of fallen off recently. I think Manchester United are in a weird spot after their manager decided to leave after a lack of investment. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how it all shakes out. But, I mean, certainly Chelsea are, are up there with anyone in terms of investment. And obviously in the UK and a little bit in Lyon, you're seeing the influx of American talent, the world, the reigning World Cup champions. And I, I again, I, I'm excited for the moment. I know that it'll be in the mail. I mean, my, my wife will give the give the OK and I'll hit I'll hit the purchase on the first American that plays for the Barca Femini. We're going to continue to see more of that. They get in the global game and African football in particular. Asisat Ashwala is uh, I mean, she is the 
Didier Drogba. Uh, that's what I, that's the example I use. That's the example that Didier Drogba used to explain Aswala. That, that is the role she's played in, in women's African football, just being a fantastic player. And she's even so good that she comes off the bench. So Barcelona probably should be starting five up top. That's how deep their talented their forward line is. Yeah, those are great points. And I, I want to ask too about uh, women's football and broadcasting rights. So uh, for those, I know we have a lot of international listeners. I do have to apologize to you, but both Nick and I are located in the US. And I know both of you and I are going to be watching this well, I will be on the Twitch stream for FC Barcelona, so you could catch me there. Um, I'll be doing it that, but I'll also have it in the background for my replays on Paramount Plus. So that's where you and I are going to have to watch this match. Uh, so, how do you feel about Paramount Plus uh, and having the rights be there, and um, and and kind of as the women's side has navigated those TV deals? And we can again speak for the broadcasting rights in the U.S. Yeah, sure. I, I, I'm I'm glad it's on a major streaming platform first. Yeah. Um, I wish the entire competition would have been. Uh, so I think there's room to grow there for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I think formerly CBS All Access and now Paramount Plus and, and the whole CBS org have done a good job with the Champions League this year. I, I was scared when the rights went to them initially because I wasn't sure how serious they were. They didn't have a long lineage of broadcasting football. And, uh, you know, I was just kind of curious. But I think they put together a really good – uh, you know, kind of crew to host the matches. And I think, you know, when you have Alex Scott and Micah Richards and Carragher and, and Kate Abdo and, and the whole crew, they, they kind of remind me of the NBA on TNT people. They mm. have a lot of fun. You know, they make jokes at each other. They have longstanding beefs that, you know, they, it's easy to enjoy watching them. And I think they've invested a, a good amount in that in a, in a weird pandemic year, to be fair. I mean, it's not like we have a whole bunch of, of stadium access for reporters right now and, and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, I, like I give them a ton of credit and I'm, I'm glad that even though it's behind a paywall on Paramount plus, which isn't, you know, not the best thing in the world. Uh, it's still a really great sign that women's football is growing in stature. Yeah, I, I want to mention about that about that crew. And no disrespect to the former players, but Kate Abdo, I think she speaks like seven languages. She's an absolute superstar. I mean, an absolute superstar from a broadcasting perspective. Again, to do it in the number of languages she does it, the the what is it? The translations on the fly that she does, it's just mind-boggling. And then and then uh, again, no disrespect to Jamie Carragher, but then Jamie Carragher just gets to think about the same nine sentences he's going to say to try to stir the pot. And yeah, I love the energy from Michael Richards, as you said. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good crew, and I think for Barcelona. It's interesting to see what these big, and I, when I say big, I, I don't want to, we're not bringing up the Super League. That's a conversation, Nick, that you can come join me on uh, over the summer or not. Let's just put that behind both of us. I no agree thanks. with that. <laughs> no, thank you to that one. I agree. But when we speak about those clubs, Man City and even Real Madrid now finally investing in their women's team recently, those are obviously the big clubs that will be investing in women's football. So no, just, and it's no disrespect to Lyon or Wolfsburg, but you might see those fall off as the, 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 again, those teams that joined the Super League continue to put investments in their women's team. And I, I think what Barcelona has done now with Barca TV, uh, I mean, there is a, certainly a belief that that's going to be the next phase, right? That that Chelsea will create some kind of subscription service where you can watch the youth. You can watch the U23s and the, what? yeah, right, it's a U23 Premier League. You can watch, you know, other different content, right? And that's what that's how I've watched all the Barca TV. I mean, uh, Barca TV is how I watch all the women's matches this year. Same thing with Barca B. That's how I've got access to all that stuff. So, yeah, I'd love to see the the women's Premier Division get kind of big access here in the United States. But, I mean, who knows? And, uh, I mean, I know you don't have to worry about this because, obviously, the Premier League has a different, uh, they get a little more broadcasting money here in the United States. But now with La Liga, 
I mean, this dropped today that league is now going to ESPN plus and, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. It's, it's a good thing. Cause it's, it means more matches that are cheaper, but I'm obviously concerned that the quality is a little bit of a step down from being sports and Ray Hudson and, and really putting all of their, their efforts into making sure the Liga was their primary product as opposed to ESPN plus where, I mean, wh- where does the Liga rank on their, on their list of, of different things. But again, that's not your problem, but Nick, I'll give you the final word on that. If you have anything to say about that, because again, we're going to be watching Paramount plus and we're going to be focusing on the Champions League final this weekend. Yeah. I, I think the, you know, we, we've been watching soccer for a long time, right? Yeah. Think about where we were in 2007, you know, I mean, there was no arms race for no. women's football. There was no arms race for Champions League, really. It was just on ESPN, <laughs> you know, it was, and that was it. So I, I think it's a really good sign that the interest is as, you know, intense as it is here, I think. But I also, you know, I, I, I want to see broadcast quality that matches the quality we see on the pitch. And certainly... NBC has done an incredible job with the Premier League. I mean, I, th- I think it is world class what they've done with the Premier League. I want to see that at every network. You know, I want to see that level of care and contribution to to the, you know, to the American viewer. This is where we are. Uh, this mm-hmm. is who we are. Um, but that, you know, I think your your worry is is right. You know, certainly, I don't think Fox did as good of a job with the 2018 World Cup as ESPN did with the 2014 World Cup. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty standard thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, let's let's hope those who are bidding are serious about the investment in it and that they are willing to in, invest in the right talent and the right delivery mechanisms so that fans can have the best experience. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and Nick, uh, again, not only do I thank you for joining the show, again, we want to tell everybody that London is blue. I, I wouldn't tell you that Chelsea should be your second team, but if you got some free time and you have an interest in watching the Premier League, maybe Chelsea's some of our listeners way through. Yeah, and the other thing I would say is I, I'm glad that you came on, and I think you did convince us that we're going to be heartbroken if Barcelona don't win the Champions League final, but I think there's a different feeling for, again, Emma Hayes and Frank Kirby, just tremendous stories. And it's, again, the more research I did, the more reading I did, the more I could say that, okay, if Barcelona can't take this title, I'm, those, are, those are very deserving people, and this is a very deserving team in Chelsea. So I guess I wish you the best of luck to lose, one, uh, to lose by one goal, but uh, I want to just see a good match. And uh, obviously, I, I hope my team is holding the trophy at the end, and yours is yours. But Nick, I'm glad to be able to do this and keep it friendly and you know, for Blue Wire podcast and, and on that forum. Again, I want to thank you for joining me. Fresh collab. Here it is. <laughs> yeah hopefully we'll have you guys back on again for the men's version of the champions league final next year we could do it uh, same place same time so hopefully yeah yeah but barcelona's got a way to go and i, wa- I wish you luck in the men's final of course too Kristen pulisic first american to host the trophy wouldn't be a bad idea and for the other side if pep guardiola gets another one then i'm not complaining about that either so it's a win-win if you don't have to be in the match and be nervous but uh, yeah nick thanks so much if you want the listeners all the normal outro info for us you can check out yesterday's show we talked all things ronald kuman and the men's team but for me forza barca and uh, nick i'll give you the final goodbye on my own show up to charles The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. 
and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.